a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Coming up here in a matter of moments, we're going to be talking with Alan Gottlieb, the founder, executive vice president of the Second Amendment Foundation. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk about a pending potential pending Supreme Court case dealing with the right to uh, own modern sporting rifles, a uh, right that is threatened not only by legislation, but uh, by litigation, uh, including things like the lawsuit that we saw settled uh, yesterday between the insurers of uh, the former Remington Outdoor Company and uh, several family members of those who were murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown, Connecticut in December of 2012. Uh, again, it's not just that gun control advocates are willing to use uh, the, the state house and uh, the U.S. Capitol to try to go after uh, and restrict our right to keep and bear arms. They're perfectly willing to use the courts, too, uh, even when you've got laws like the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act in place that are designed to prevent these types of junk lawsuits. But we'll get into this with Alan here momentarily. Before we do, you know, with the political pressure of the left and the woke mob that is the Democrat Party these days, our society is in danger of becoming controlled by the cancel culture elites. Since when have the founders of the Constitution or the creators of the American flag or figures like Dr. Seuss or virtually anything else you could think of become anti-American? There has never been a better time in our nation's history to stand up against the woke mob and fight back, and you can do just that with this exclusive offer that I'm giving to my listeners and viewers right now, limited time only. It's your chance to win a signed photo by President Trump himself. All you have to do is text the word TRUMP to 55404 today to enter. That's T-R-U-M-P to 55404. You'll not only be entering to win a piece of history, but you'll be joining the millions of Americans that stand up for President Trump in canceling the radical left once and for all. Paid for by the National Republican Senatorial Committee. All right, so it is not the Senate that we're talking about today. It's the Supreme Court and the uh, possibility... Now, the court could take up uh, the issue of bans on so-called assault weapons. So far, the Supreme Court has ignored or bypassed uh, several opportunities to do so. But Second Amendment activists are hoping that um, now that we've got a, a sizable conservative majority on the court, that the, uh, the, those justices are going to be more interested in hearing Second Amendment cases, including an egregious decision out of the Fourth Circuit that really turns the Second Amendment on its head. Uh, and let's talk about it with Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation. Take a look and a listen. Alan, it's so good talking with you today. Thanks so much for joining us on the program. Great to be with you, Cam, and particularly all your, your viewers and listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And and listen, you know, our listeners and viewers, uh, we're, you know, they, they know what's going on. They're paying attention to the news. They know that the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association uh, versus Bruin case is, is pending at the Supreme Court. But they might not know about another case that is percolating uh, that, that very well could be the next two-way case that the court takes. This is a case that the Second Amendment Foundation is uh, highly involved in, uh, right? This is Bianchi versus Frosch. What can you tell us about this case? Well, that's a case that uh, actually the Second Amendment Foundation is also a plaintiff in the case as well as funding it. Uh, but that's a case uh, challenging the uh, Maryland so-called assault weapon ban. And uh, it's this is what's really interesting about this one now for us is that uh, we got lucky that the uh, the, we, the district court ruled against us quickly based on precedent because a case like this has already been brought in that circuit. The appeals court uh, on a motion for us, we asked them to rule very quickly on it. Uh, uh, you know, and we knew they were going to have to rule against us because of 
previous precedent from the appeals court. They did that, did us a favor, they ruled against us very fast. And we were able to get it right up to the Supreme Court with a cert petition uh, for the US Supreme Court to hear the case, uh, which would be in the next term. Uh, and uh, again, what was interesting is the US Supreme Court, uh, some of the, the state of Maryland didn't, didn't respond to our, uh, our cert petition at all. The uh, judges at the Supreme Court, there's obviously some that are very interested in hearing this case. Uh, they demanded that Maryland respond, which means there's an interest in hearing it by at least some of the judges. Uh, and Maryland is forced to respond. In the interim, uh, we've gotten two very important amicus briefs filed uh, on our behalf for the court to hear it. One by 25 state Republican attorney generals, which is half the country's attorney generals, asked the Supreme Court to hear this case. Uh, and to overturn the Maryland ban. Uh, and then we just got uh, recently what I'm going to call the scholars brief by a number of groups and, and legal professors and scholars on the Second Amendment issues on why it's important for the U.S. Supreme Court to hear this case, particularly in light of the fact that some of the lower courts keep subbing their nose at the Heller and McDonald decisions. So we're kind of excited about this because there's a, at this point, knowing there's some judges on the court that would like to hear the case and 25 AGs weighing in on our side, and a scholar's brief that's very, very, very well done, a great brief. Uh, we think we've set up the table that there's a great chance the Supreme Court will hear the case. Uh, yeah, I got to say, I was really surprised and excited that the uh, Supreme Court uh, told Brian Frosch, Maryland's attorney general, no, we want to hear your response to this, because, because you're right. Uh, Frosch is, I, I think Frosch's assumption was, look, the, the courts have already dealt with this issue. I'm not even going to bother replying, uh, you know, expecting the Supreme Court to just rubber stamp the uh, dismissals of this lawsuit. But, you know, as, as both the attorney general's brief and the scholar's brief lay out, while it might be unusual for the Supreme Court to go and take a second crack at a case that they passed or at an issue that they passed by once before, the Fourth Circuit decision that is ruling right now uh, in controlling in Maryland, Virginia, the entirety of the Fourth Circuit is so egregiously out of step with what the Supreme Court has said in both Heller and McDonald and Catano as well. Um, that the court really does need to step in and set the record straight because the, the Fourth Circuit declared that AR-15s aren't protected by the Second Amendment at all because they are, quote, like machine guns. Now, I don't know in what way they are like machine guns, Alan, other than they, they might look like machine guns, but functionally a semi-automatic firearm is very different from a fully automatic firearm or a select fire uh, 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 rifle. And yet, according to the Fourth Circuit, basically as long as they you know, look like uh, the, the, the same thing, that's enough to ban the most commonly sold rifle in America today or to say that it falls outside of the scope of the Second Amendment's protections. Yeah, I, you know, and also, quite frankly, some of these uh, so-called assault weapons, you know, uh, are only 22 caliber firearms, which are not used by the military to begin with, but they don't differentiate by caliber. They just ban what it looks like by cosmetic characteristics. Uh, so obviously that argument is, is, a, is a red herring argument. But it's also more important because if they want to argue it's a military type weapon, well, maybe the Second Amendment really does, you know, uh, protect military type weapons. Uh, this is a really interesting case. And of course, we've got a couple of Supreme Court judges that have already made statements in other cases that the Supreme Court needs to revisit the Second Amendment uh, and stop some of the lower courts from making some of these crazy decisions and, and ignoring uh, Supreme Court precedent in other two cases. And so I'm really, really excited about this. Of course, Cam, the, the, the problem we always have is there are thousands of cases every year that are appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, and only a handful of them get, get heard. So you're competing against a lot of other things that are out there at the same time. 
And so I've got to sort of hope that maybe this is a, a cycle for the Supreme Court to, uh, you know, not have so many important cases to decide this is one of the real important ones they need to hear. And, and based upon making Maryland respond to it, and based upon the two briefs that already been put in on our behalf to hear it that are very potent briefs, uh, you know, you can never be certain, but I feel pretty good right now that there's a great chance that we're going to have this case to the court. Yeah, well, look, I, I mean, look, as you say, we, we know that there's at least interest on, on the part of some justices to, to hear uh, what the state has to say about this. And so that tells me that this is at least rising above uh, the froth and churn of the thousands of petitions. It doesn't mean that it's going to get selected, but it, it's, it's at least bobbed its head up enough that the justices say, aha, let, 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 let's delve into this a little bit deeper. And I think that now, obviously, that would be extraordinarily good news for gun owners if they accept this case, not just because of the egregious uh, ruling out of the Fourth Circuit, but the abuse that we've seen from other lower circuit courts around the country. And, and, and frankly, Alan, you know, it doesn't it's not directly implicated by the settlement we saw uh, with the insurers of Remington Outdoor Company and uh, some of the families uh, of the victims in Sandy Hook uh, uh, that was announced yesterday. But we do know that the gun control activists out there, the gun control lobby is trying to um, ensure that we don't have access uh, to this, you know, again, the modern sport rifle, the most commonly sold rifle in America today. And whether it's through legislation or through litigation, trying to bankrupt the firearms industry, they want to put that rifle out of the reach of, you know, law-abiding American citizens. Uh, and, and so I think it's incredibly important that we continue uh, to work towards full recognition of our right to keep arms, including the right to bear modern sporting rifles or to keep them at home for self-defense. Yeah, they're, they're no longer the gun control lobby. They're the gun prohibition lobby. They don't want you to have the gun, period. You know, Cam, uh, you know, stool, a stool needs four legs to really stand on. And I think the Second Amendment does as well. First of all, we had the Heller decision. There's one leg in our favor. We had the McDonald decision, which is two legs in our favor, which incorporated the Second Amendment through the 14th Amendment, making it applicable to all the states. Uh, which allows us to bring all these other lawsuits that also was a Second Amendment Foundation suit. Now we've got the third leg that they're going to hear, uh, or they've heard, we're just waiting for a decision on the New York State right, right to carry lawsuit. Uh, and I think we're going to get a ruling in our favor there. There's three legs. And my hope is that the uh, so-called overturning the assault weapon ban in, in uh, Maryland, which will also obviously overturn ones in, in a few other states that have them as well, is the fourth leg of the stool. So what we're trying to do, so to, so to speak, is build the foundation for the Second Amendment with lit in the litigation so that in future generations, any litigation that comes up is pretty well locked in with those four corners. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really kind of excited about that. You know, you need four good corners to the, to the foundation. And then with the other lawsuits in the future, we can build up the stories uh, on the building to help protect Second Amendment rights. But the Second Amendment Foundation has been instrumental in a lot of these lawsuits. And uh, I'm really proud of our attorneys doing this. Uh, we have a prominent, very prominent law from Cooper and Kirk in Washington, D.C., uh, that's uh, one of the nation's best boutique law firms. I think every I think they have 17 partners, and all of them have argued cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. So they're very prestigious, and that's who's representing us. Yeah, Cooper Kirk, and and that you know, it it, it I won't say that it, it it always matters, but I think it does matter. I mean, I think the the court is comfortable with uh, uh, attorneys that they know that have you know that that they've seen before, and again, I think it it does show the. The importance of this case, the gravitas of this case, and you've got a, a firm like Cooper and Kirk involved here, that this isn't some fly-by-night challenge. This isn't some, you know, a, a kitchen sink scenario. Let's just throw everything up against the wall and see what sticks. 
you know, the fact that you've got, I, I think, as you say, very well-respected law firm, half of the nation's attorneys general, uh, scholars well-represented from coast to coast, uh, and an issue that will directly impact the Second Amendment rights of virtually every American citizen out there. Um, you know, that 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 kind of shows, I think, the importance and the, the scope of this case. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that uh, the Supreme Court is going to act. I know that uh, uh, Brian Frosch uh, and the state of Maryland and the, and the defendants, they have, what, uh, a few more weeks before they have to submit their own uh, briefs and, and amici briefs in, uh, in support of the, the state of Maryland. Is that right? Yeah, they were a little bit shocked when they were told that they had to file a brief in response. And so they asked the Supreme Court uh, if they could have a little more time because they weren't prepared for that. And the court gave them a few more weeks. Yes. All right. Well, we will definitely be paying attention to uh, uh, to Bianchi versus Frosch in the weeks and months ahead. And of course, I would encourage everybody to check out what the Second Amendment Foundation is doing, saf.org. Also, their sister organization, the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, where, in full disclosure, I serve as an unpaid board member. You can find them at ccrkba.org. Alan Gottlieb, it is always so good getting a chance to catch up with you. I am so pleased that the Second Amendment Foundation is so active right now and defending our Second Amendment rights, and I can't wait to talk to you again, sir. Thank you, Cam, and thanks for serving on our board. And also, I want to mention the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep Their Arms is also a co-plaintiff in this particular case with the founded Second Amendment Foundation. Excellent. Thank you so much, sir. Alan Gottlieb joining us here on Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. And I do appreciate Alan joining us on the program. We, of course, are going to be following this case very closely. If there are any new developments at the Supreme Court, we will let you know. We've got a couple of weeks before the state of Maryland and its amici uh, have their deadline to uh, submit their own briefs. And then the court, uh, I think the justices are really going to sit down and consider. So we, we've got a few weeks before we're going to know uh, what the court is going to do here. Are they going to accept the case? They got to maybe hold it over and remand it back down to the uh, Fourth Circuit based on uh, whatever opinion comes out in uh, a New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Will they ask for all of this briefing and then simply choose not to deal with this case at all? I, I kind of doubt that that's going to happen. So I'm very uh, interested to see what the court actually does with Bianchi versus Frosch in the weeks ahead. Right now, though, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day and our recidivist report, we will start there with a story out of New Mexico, where uh, KOB TV reporting that the suspect in the shooting of a state police officer violated parole three times before that shooting took place. Each and every time the suspect's uh, a parole officer said, hey, can we put this guy back behind bars? And each and every time the system said no. Caleb Elledge, whose uh, nickname was Creeper, on the streets, on the run, they say, for close to a year for violating parole for a third time. And again, no matter what the parole officer said, the courts said no. The requests, uh, quote, didn't stick. KOB reports that in the summer of 2020, Elledge violated probation. His parole officer requested he be put in jail. She wrote in the documents that Elledge didn't even make it a day before he violated his parole conditions by not reporting to her within 24 hours of leaving the Bernalillo County Jail. A judge put him in jail for 90 days with probation, uh, then reinstated. He was given, quote, zero tolerance. If he violated his parole conditions again, he did. A month later, picked up felony charges. He was arrested for having oxycodone. Also violated other conditions of his release by not having a job, not going to court-ordered counseling. Probation officer spells it all out again to the judge. And he was put on probation again. He was required to enter a drug treatment program, was required to wear a GPS monitor, which he cut off last April. 
Uh, police were notified when the monitor was tampered with. They spoke with Elledge's mom, and she said that he uh, cut off the bracelet shortly after he left the police station. And they've been looking for him ever since. Uh, they uh, found him 10 months later after he shot a New Mexico State police officer who has uh, since been released from the uh, hospital. He is recovering at home with his family. Uh, and now Caleb Elledge, you know, facing uh, a number of serious felony charges that have piled up over the past three years or so. But uh, again, the unanswered question is, why did the system not take Elledge seriously during the multiple opportunities they had to do so? Uh, and, you know, listen, I, 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 I know, I know the Democrats aren't in favor of defunding the police, according to Joe Biden. But uh, I can't help but wonder uh, if the uh, Democratic control in the state of New Mexico, uh, including the uh, uh, governorship of uh, Michelle Luan Grisham, had anything at all to do with the rather uh, non-existent consequences that Elledge received for continually violating his probation. All right, on to today's Armed citizen story from Pelham, Alabama, where police say a man was killed in a self-defense shooting involving a naked man who had just stabbed somebody. That's not anything you ever want to run across. Um, there's still a lot of uh, uh, questions about this case as well, but uh, it was early Tuesday morning. Uh, police said they responded to a, a stabbing and shooting at two different locations, very close to one another in uh, Pelham. Uh, the uh, Pelham police chief, Chad Cheatwood, said a 29-year-old man stabbed somebody and then, in a, quote, excited state, started going door-to-door, -door, ringing doorbells, banging on doors, uh, while butt-naked. He made it to a, a home uh, about a block or so away. Investigators say the uh, suspect banged on the door, homeowner opened the door, Suspect tried to enter the home naked, apparently with a knife. I mean, he had just stabbed somebody, but it's not clear if he still had the knife on him at that time. Um, that's when the uh, suspect was shot and killed by the homeowner when he tried to gain entry into that, uh, that home. Um, chief confirmed that an off-duty officer lived at that home. Uh, no confirmation on uh, how or if he was involved, but the uh, police chief says that uh, the shooting does appear to be self-defense. Still don't have a motive. We'll uh, bring you any details uh, if they become available, but uh, I'm very grateful that the homeowner uh, was unharmed in that incident. And uh, finally today, our good deed of the day. Also, I believe from Alabama, uh, let me just make sure I've got the right, I believe so, the uh, Sand Mountain Reporter, uh, talking about a, a gentleman from uh, a Boaz, uh, Alabama. Jonathan Rolfs is a uh, sergeant there with the uh, Boaz Police Department. And um, he was asked recently by a, a resident if, if, if he could help her out. She was trying to get in touch with her brother. This is an elderly woman who came into the police department one Saturday morning not long ago and said, I'm really worried about my brother. Um, last time I, I knew where he was, he was in Nashville. Uh, he was homeless. Uh, but I got a bad feeling about what's going on with him. Can you help me find him? And uh, Sergeant Jonathan Rawls could have said no. Could have said, ma'am, that's kind of beyond my, you know, job description here. But he didn't. He said, you know what, let me see what I can do. He started making some calls. Didn't have any luck talking to uh, folks in the uh, Nashville PD. But he did send out a message through the uh, NCIC, National Crime Information Center. And this time, he, he did get a hit. 
Uh, unfortunately, Captain uh, Dustin Harris with the Boaz Police Department said uh, that afternoon he got a call back from Nashville Police saying that they had found her brother, uh, but unfortunately he was found deceased on the streets. Yeah. As the captain said, it was not the preferred outcome, but the uh, sister did get closure. And there is that. To You know, obviously that's not the outcome that anybody wanted to find, but uh, the fact that she at least knew that uh, her bad feeling about her brother was right and that he was no longer with us, hopefully does provide her some small measure of comfort and closure. Uh, Anyway, uh, Sergeant uh, Jonathan Rolfs, uh, recently honored by the uh, uh, Boaz City Council with a uh, letter of commendation. David Dyer, who's the mayor there, said the city is lucky to have an officer like Rolfs. He said, uh, three or four years ago, I was outside and a uh, police car pulled into my driveway. He got out and asked me if a dog was loose, and I said that it was. He told me I had to put him up. He couldn't run loose. Neighbors had complained. He said, I was the mayor at this time. He said, but he treated me just like I was any other resident. Didn't make a difference who I was. My dog was loose. Shouldn't have been. Uh, So apparently, uh, Sergeant uh, 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 Jonathan Rolfs there, um, not just in the right place at the right time, willing to do the right thing to uh, help a a stranger out, but... uh, also willing to keep the mayor in line if need be. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we will be back tomorrow with even more Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about, but I would encourage you strongly to uh, check out BearingArms.com, the website, multiple times each day because we are updating the uh, site frequently, latest 2A news stories, uh, and uh, you don't have to wait until Cam and Company to find out what's going on when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. If you like what you see there at BearingArms.com, of course, I would obviously encourage you to become a VIP member as well. You can use the promo code GUNRIGHTS if you go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. And uh, not only will you be supporting the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism we do at Bearing Arms, but you will also get access to exclusive news stories, commentary, columns, and more. It's our way of saying thank you for showing your support. It really does mean a lot to us. And I am looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow with more coverage right here on Barry Arms Cam and Company. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. 